Are you just doing that because Scott told you to? Because I'll take it, even if you are. That is totally fine with me. You love Jesus? Okay, I'm just checking. You, uh, you love your pastors, your leaders, Scott and Jen? I love them. Give honor where honor is due. You know, this is my, uh, you can take a seat. Thank you guys so much. This is my fifth time at this church. And it's even more of an honor every time. I'm like getting invited back. Okay, that is, you know, um, until I accidentally cuss on stage, then it never happens again. But um, my wife and I are four years into a church planting adventure in Austin, Texas. And so every time I get to come here, it's just, it's so fun to see this. It's fun to, to see Scott and Jen because, man, we, we dream, honestly, of doing what you guys have done and uh, admire so much about who you are. Um, want to be you one day soon. And uh, yeah, um, the price, the hidden cost that nobody knows about. Thank you for paying it. Thank you for going first. And uh, one more time, come on, you guys. And if you're here for the first time, uh, I'm the guest, and so I'm gone after this Sunday, you know what I mean? And so come back August 7th, hear this guy preach because he has uh, what they call shepherd's cred, <laughs> all right? You guys, I'm so glad to be here. Like Scott said, my name is Doug, and um, all the way from Austin. By the way, they just added nonstop flights from Austin to Kansas City, so I, praise God, that's amazing. Um, I want to start today with a question. Here's the question. How many of you wish... You could go to Starbucks with God and sit down over a three-pump, venti, iced, vanilla, latte, caramel, macchiato, pretend that it's coffee and not ice cream or a milkshake. It is, but pretend it's coffee. And ask him all the questions that you have about his plans for your future. Say, God, I know you're busy. Thanks for meeting me. By the way, how's Gabriel? How's spirit? How's Jesus? How are the golden streets? Are you good? Are we good? Are they good? Hey, by the way, who should I marry? And what job should I take? And should I move there or stay here? And what's my calling? And by the way, what is a calling? And should we buy or rent? Is the market going to dip? Is crypto even real? What's going on here? Is, should I break up with my boyfriend or girlfriend? Uh, public school or private school for my kid? Like, I know that you have plans for me. And I know that they're good plans to give me a hope and a future. I've read the verse. I even have it tattooed on my forearm for crying out loud. In fact, let's do it. Let's read Jeremiah 29, 11. And by the way, this is a promise from God to the Israelites, but it parallels to you and me. And here it is. It's beautiful. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Oh, that is so good. And if you're new to church, you better learn that one quick. You're going to need to verse drop that in the lobby and conversations and preach that to yourself more than once, I promise. For I know the plans I have for you. By the way, who knows the plans, you or, or God? And anywhere in there does he promise to disclose said plans to you? No. Which is why I believe it doesn't stop there. In fact, I felt God impress on my heart. If you're going to preach Jeremiah 29, 11, have the courtesy to read the two verses that come after. 
For I know the plans I have for you, plans, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. In the verses 12 and 13 that say, then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. See, we love verse 11. I think God loves 12 and 13. 11 is about us and God's plans for us. 12 and 13 is about us and him and our relationship with each other. And he says, seek me, not my plans, which is really hard to do when you're a low-grade control freak. I mean, a human being. Sorry, I mix those two up all the time. He says, seek, seek me, not my plans. Plans are important, but seek me. So that way, even if you don't get all the plans, or even if you get the plans, but you're not a, the biggest fan of all the plans. Or even if you get all the plans, but the plans take longer than you want the plans to take, well, then you will still trust the person. And so Summit Park, as we seek Jesus today, I want to do my best to ask and answer this question, be practical and helpful, and I titled the message this question, and it's this. What does God have planned for me next? What does God have planned for me next. Does that sound good? You promise? All right, let's pray. Jesus, we love you so much. Encourage those of us who need encouragement today, uh, but also challenge and light a fire under any of us who, who need that today. We give you permission. Do what you want. Have your way. Speak to us. We're listening. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. amen. All right, who has seen the new Top Gun? Let me see you. Okay. You know, Tom Cruise said, we set out to make the greatest aviation film of all time, and they held nothing back from the making of this movie because he said, in order to do that, you can't go to the studio, you have to go to the air. And so, if you've seen the movie, or if you're about to, trust me, you will after this, all the fighter jet footage is real. And the actors basically trained and went for it and kind of just lived out my dream in the making of this movie. From, from launching off of aircraft carriers and F-18 Super Hornets to operating seven cinematic cameras mounted in the cockpit while pulling five to seven Gs to underwater training in case of an emergency where they'd have to eject over the ocean all the way to Miles Teller taking seven weeks of intense piano lessons so he could perform form great balls of fire just like his movie dad goose they held nothing back you guys sequels are usually not better than the originals and this is a big bold and audacious statement but i'm gonna make it this one is it is and i know i just lost some of you i know the original is more legendary absolutely but let me just build some credibility with you i have this weird um this weird gift to quote movies with insane accuracy. It's, it's useless unless I use it in a sermon, so just give me this for the next few minutes. Um, but I love the original movie. I can, I can quote all of, all of Top Gun. Now, when I say that, I always have some well-meaning guys who say, yeah, oh yeah, man, me too. And I, unfortunately, I have to correct them. And I say, hey, lie down before you hurt yourself. We're not talking about the same thing. When I say I can quote all of Top Gun, I don't mean that I know some of the quotable lines and I only kind of botch them when I deliver them and I really like the movie. That's not what I mean. I mean every syllable and inflection from the beginning until the end. It's like a blessing and a curse. A blessing for me, a curse for my wife, I promise you. I, like, I can't get it out of my head. 
And, um, and so I, I know this is the Lord's house. Are we really doing this in church? This is about him, not me. But I have to, I have to do this to build credibility to make his point. And so I'm going to just really quick, uh, here's a scene from the original Top Gun um, at 3x the speed just for time's sake. But if you've seen it, this is the very beginning. Right after Mav and Goose go back for a cougar, they land on the aircraft carrier. They're in trouble. They find themselves in Commander Stinger's office, and they're getting yelled at. And Commander Stinger says this. He goes, Maverick... <clears throat> What you just did was an incredibly brave thing. What you should have done was land that plane. You don't own that plane, the taxpayers do. Son, your ego is writing checks your body can't cash. You've been busted, you lost your qualifications as section leader three times, put in hack twice by me, with a history of high-speed passes over five air control towers and one admiral's daughter, and that's where Goose leans over and whispers, Penny Benjamin, which by the way is a very uh, subtle foreshadowing to Jennifer Connelly's character in the sequel. You probably didn't know that, but then Commander Stinger goes on to say, Maverick, I got another problem here. I gotta send somebody from this squadron to Miramar. I got to do something and I, I, I still can't believe it. And by the way, the stuttering was on purpose. He says, I got to give you your dream shot. I'm going to send you up against the best. You two characters are going to Top Gun. And this is where the Top Gun anthem kind of starts to kick in. He says, for five weeks, you're going to fly against the best fighter pilots in the world. You were number two. Cougar was number one. Cougar lost it and turned in his wings. You guys are number one. But you remember this. You screw up just this much. You'll be flying a cargo plane and I got to stop there. So end scene. But it gets very very quotable in that moment. I, uh, it's in my blood, you guys. It's in my blood. Uh, to make the point even further, here's a video of my offspring I took just three weeks ago. This is Will singing Danger Zone for your viewing pleasure. It's a proud dad moment for me. It's in my blood. I'm not trying to, to just overdo this point, but the original Top Gun has meant a lot to me. I needed the sequel to be good, and it was. I think better. You're free to disagree. What you can't disagree with, though, is that it costs more and took more to make the sequel than it did the original. Well, I'm good to close in prayer if you guys are. I mean, I think we're, I think that's good. Let's get some ice cream in the lobby. Here's my spiritual transition. Are you ready? Here we go. All of us are living a story. I just think a lot of us, this is based on just my gut about what the Spirit's doing, based on conversations pastorally with people. I just think a lot of us are ready to write the next chapter. You're ready for God to make a new film because you can quote this last one a little too good. A few too many victory laps over this past season. And it's time to, it's time to move from here to there. It's time to, it's time to move from addiction and bondage and into freedom. It's time to go from mourning into celebration. It's time to go from a season of doubting into a season of expectation. It's time to go from anxious and depressed to alive and free once and for all. It's time to move from settling for less than God's best for you into claiming and standing on the promises of God and stepping into a season of the more that he has. For. It's time to go from here to there. In fact, this is the grittiness that Paul Paul talked about in Philippians chapter 3. Let's go. He says, forgetting what is behind. 
So I'm not sure who needs this, but just permission to forget what is behind. The only interest God has in your past is redeeming it and using it. Because Jesus is back from the dead, which means your past mistakes are now souvenirs of grace. Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, he says, I press on into the next thing that God has for me. Here's my message for you. The sequel, I believe, will require more from you than the original. I want to challenge you today because I think God is getting his people ready and in Summit Park Church, you're not waiting on a move of God. This is a move of God. And our God is up to something. He doesn't do reruns. And what's next, I really believe, is a higher calling than what's behind. I mean, even for you guys, we're sitting in the, 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 the beginning of the sequel, the next, the next chapter for your church. And I believe God's going, I, I, I need some more faith. Like there's more, uh, there, uh, there's more in you than you know, and I'm calling you to it. The faith that got you here might not be the faith that gets you there. What's next is a higher call. I mean, how many know uh, a freedom is a higher calling than, than addiction is? And leadership is a higher calling than just, than just living. I mean, serving and giving is a higher calling th than not. Following Jesus is a higher calling than just uh, attending church. And God is saying, I am inviting, beckoning, challenging you into this next season. You've got the faith. I put it in there, and I need, I need your posture. I need, I just believe he's getting his people ready. And I want to show you that right now in Joshua chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles, go straight there. I feel this so deep in my spirit, you guys. By the way, this, this is the group of people we're about to read. This is also, uh, Jeremiah 29, 11 was written to the same people, and this is just 800 years before that. So here's Joshua 1. It'll be up on the screen. It says this. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' aid, or the servant of the Lord. The Lord said to Joshua, sorry, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is, is dead. And remember, Moses was the guy who led the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt through the Red Sea into the desert. And I won't unpack it any more than that because I'm just assuming you've seen Prince of Egypt. All right? If you haven't, it's on Netflix right now. And fun fact, Val Kilmer, a.k.a. Iceman, is the voice of Moses. So... Just a little God wink for all of us this morning. So Moses is now gone, and a new season is beginning, a new chapter. Here we go. Now then, Joshua, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give them to the Israelites, to you. So Moses went through the Red Sea, singing There Can Be Miracles by Mariah Carey the entire way. But now Joshua is about to lead the same people through the Jordan River. This is the sequel. I don't know if it'll be better than the original. I do know it will cost them more and require more from them. If you fast forward to Joshua 3.1, it says this. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from beep. I, if I tried to say that, I promise you I would accidentally cuss, okay? I promise you. So, nice try, God. And so they, they set out from that place, and they went to the Jordan, 
where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, that is Old Testament lingo for the presence of God, and the Levitical priest carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. The presence of God is always on the move. Then you will know which way to go, I love this, since you have never been this way before. You're ready for the next chapter. Follow the presence of God where you've never been before. Is that sobriety? Is that purity? Is that generosity? Is that freedom? Is that obedience? Follow the presence of God where you've never been before. And then verse five, so key. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves today. For tomorrow, the Lord will do amazing things among you. Amazing things, demonstrations of God's power, stories so abnormal they are unexplainable without him. And God says, tomorrow I will do amazing things, so today consecrate yourselves. You're asking, what does that mean? Great question. To consecrate means to set yourself apart for a sacred endeavor. And we do that because when God is about to do extraordinary things, He will always first call us to extraordinary things. What's next? A higher calling than what's behind. And so what does God have planned for you next? I believe with all my heart, God would love to, metaphorically speaking, sit down with you. When you seek him, you will find him. When you seek him with all of your heart and design and write this next chapter of your life with you. I think he would love that. But I think he'd tell you to show up with some grit and a set-apart spirit that is ready and willing and eager for all things in him. Because if you're going to face the future with some faith without fear, you're going to need some grit to love and trust a person regardless of the plans that person brings to the table. A set-apart spirit, a readied posture. I'm telling you, your posture is the pen God will use to write the next chapter of your life. Our postures, you guys, our responsibilities, our control. We determine the postures that we we show up with because we have this God-given ability called free will to make decisions and choose things within the sovereignty of the same exact God who already knows the end from the beginning. This is Romans eight where he he calls you a a son or a daughter he says you're my heirs you are co-heirs with christ which means we have been delegated a certain amount of ownership in this story which is which is scandalous and his idea by the way and a crazy high calling tomorrow god will do amazing things so consecrate yourselves today set apart your spirit and ready your posture aka god's pen I want to show you just three attributes I believe that a prepared posture has. Sitting down to the table with God, I would challenge you, bring these three things. Number one is this, patience for the process. Jeremiah 29, 11 was written to the Israelites, catch this, when they had 70 years of waiting in front of them. Patience, the least liked of all the fruit of the Spirit. I literally Googled worst fruit a few weeks ago, and an article popped up titled, Tomatoes Criticized for Having Vegetable Energy. (laughs) Tomatoes are really getting to people, you guys. 
And patience really is kind of that one fruit of the spirit that's got way more of that bitter energy, veggie vibe to it. It really does because who likes waiting? Who's choosing five to six business days over two days shipping? You know what I mean? (laughs) Guys, our culture has now crowned convenience as king. From DoorDash to Instagram and fast food, Uber Eats, like I could go for about two hours with all of that. All the way to how we have basically done away with any kind of delayed gratification from pornography to the hookup culture, all the way to high-speed Wi-Fi that better not need no password. Convenience is now king, and I think that it's crept into the church quietly. So much so, I think a lot of us would actually start to think that God values platform over process and success over serving, likes over lessons and wealth over wisdom. And, and I wonder if given the choice between the presence of God or the plans of God, if you're honest, how many of us would actually choose the, the latter all at the altar of convenience? But here's my question. What if, what if bitter, bitter patience was actually the key to tasting some of the sweeter fruits of the Spirit, like peace and joy. I mean, if everything in your life is going to go at God's timing and pace anyways, you might as well have some peace and joy in the process. And patience is not just killing time, waiting for God to do something. Patience is evidence of a strong and surrendered spirit. Because the point of patience is not about getting to the plans of God then and there. The point of patience is about tapping into the presence of God here and now. The man who loves to walk will go farther than the man who loves the destination. Why? Because the journey is your joy. You understand peace is not a place I'm trying to get to. Peace is a path beneath my feet today. If I'll cultivate it and dig it up, this is where God is. And I'm telling you, he will make more clear his plans for your future the more you are committed to him in your present. And as you do that, patience will begin to grow. Call me crazy. I I bet you'll go from just embracing the process to quite possibly even enjoying the process. That's the beauty of patience. That's why it's not a vegetable of the spirit. It's a, it's sweet. It's the fruit of the spirit. This is Psalm 130, verse five. I wait for the Lord. Patience. I had so many verses to pick from with patience, by the way. I wait for the Lord, my whole being waits, and in his word, I put my hope. So right there, there's the key to patience. Hope is believing that what is waiting for you tomorrow will be better or greater than what you're walking in today. We all need hope, so let me just give you some. He has a hope for your future. The best is yet to come. I mean, we're talking about eternity here, so technically speaking, with an eternal perspective, even if you're 107, The best is yet to come. He's just getting started with you. You ain't seen nothing yet. God has good plans for your future. Here's what I've learned. Those plans aren't free, and the price is patience. Tried to buy some coffee from a gas station a few weeks ago, and I handed the guy my my credit card, and he said, cash only. And I said, what's cash? (laughs) Have you sold anything today to somebody under 60? Trying to help you here. Here's three credit cards. Don't tell Dave Ramsey. Swipe any of them. I don't care. (laughs) And he said, uh, machine's down and cash is the only form of payment. I think patience is the only form of payment that God takes for some of his better plans and promises. 
And we show up to the table with vision and ambition. I've got ideas. I'm connected. I've got resources. Hey, God, I really think this could benefit your kingdom and my life. And I think you and me, a partnership, we could really maximize some impact here. And I think God would go, awesome. Can you wait on me? Because I'm searching the world right now for the, for the souls that have the resilience to remain and the grit to wait on the Lord. Patience in the process because all of us are, are, are waiting on something. Maybe, maybe for you, you're waiting on a, a, a spouse right now. If I could just encourage and challenge you all at the same time to actively, not passively, to actively wait on God by daily becoming more and more the best, most godly version of you that God made you to be, the version of you that somebody would be lucky to get to marry because you don't got to project an image when your substance preaches for itself. We're all waiting on uh, on something. And did you know the Israelites, they, they were promised a land with milk and honey. But on the way to it, God had a, a method called manna. So I think the question is, is, can you be faithful in the process before you even see the promised land? Like you can't give 10% of 50K, but you think you give 10% of 500K? Like not a chance. And this isn't even a, a message about giving. I could pick about a thousand different examples to make the same point that what seems on the surface level to be God's apparent holding pattern in your life might actually be your stubbornness to learn a lesson he's trying to teach you now that you're gonna need then because if you don't let the process prepare you, there's a good chance the promise might destroy you. Without the manna to make you strong, milk and honey will make you sick. Patience in the process, you guys. Stewardship, faithfulness. Trust me, I, I get patience. I'm about as slow of a work in progress as you get. Even as a, a pastor, like to this day, I, I just find myself going, I wish I was farther along than I am. I wish, man, that I, 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 I can't believe I, I still struggle with this stuff. I still am thinking those thoughts. Just wish God could just zap me to the destination. But we have a God of sanctification and it's a greedy process that takes patience, but you're up for it. And so my challenge to you, keep coming back. Keep picking yourself up. You fall, okay, fall forward. Keep picking yourself up. Keep showing up to church. Keep showing up to your group. Keep, keep coming to the altar. Keep confessing. Keep praying. Keep getting help. Keep leaning in, but don't quit and don't give up. Scripture says in the final days, many people will, but not you. Come on, Summit Park, you got the grit. It takes grit to take heart. And I'm telling you, God has put more of that in you than you think. It's there. It just needs to be exercised. Patience in the process. Amen? Amen. I could, oh my gosh, I have to keep going. I could talk about that. This happened to me last service. I looked at the clock right at this point, and it was like, okay, next point. Number two, a set-apart spirit has this, obedience in the obscurity. Obscurity is the places and seasons that are seemingly insignificant, the, the, the places, the times that nobody might ever see except you and God. Obedience in the obscurity. Remember verse three, or chapter three, verse five. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves today for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things. So we can't control the outcome tomorrow. We can, however, control our obedience today. Set yourself apart because when you ask God to do extraordinary things, he will first call you to extraordinary things. My question for you, what extraordinary things could he be calling you to? 
I'll show you what I mean. In Hebrews 12, 1, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off all that hinders and, so two things here, and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So I'm setting myself apart from the sin that so easily entangles. You're like, what do you mean when you say that word? Probably the first thing that always comes to your mind when you hear the word sin, that it is so easily entangles and you think you got it almost as a pet now, but it continues to not deliver on what it promises. And Paul, he's saying, the writer of Hebrews is saying, hey, it's gonna entangle you, shake it off now. But not just that, he says, also just everything that hinders. So here's my question for you. This has been kind of just haunting me all month. So now it's just your turn. What if God is calling you to set yourself apart just from things that are common? Not sinful, common. It's not sinful to just to stay up too late every single night watching a few more episodes so that you wake up the next morning too tired and exhausted to be ready for what God wants to do in you and through you. It's not sinful, but it's just very common. But if you want an uncommon destiny, you can't have common discipline. You want extraordinary plans and purpose? That takes more than ordinary patterns. I don't know about you, I, I get one, one of these lives. Like David said, it's a mist, here today and gone tomorrow. And I just believe God has a calling on my life and I don't want my lack of obedience in the obscurity to be the lid or the ceiling on what he wants to do in my life and through my life. I believe I've got a, a, an extraordinary calling and so I am, I am stepping up into extraordinary obedience. My question for you, what if you sat down with God and you had pre-decided to say yes to him? regardless of what it was. This was Jesus in, in Gethsemane, was it not? He's fully God, but also fully man in this moment, sweating drops of blood, falling to his knees, looking up to the heavens and saying, Father, if there's any other plan that could accomplish the same outcome, that could be so convenient right now. Nevertheless, not, not my will, but yours. That is a, from the depths of his soul, a predecision to say yes to the Father. I'm scared, but yes. I'm, I'm addicted, but yes. I'm broken, but yes. I'm hurting, but yes. I'm in bondage, but yes. I don't fully see from your vantage point the end from the beginning, but yes. I, I don't always get it all the time. I don't get fully why you're asking us to wait till marriage, but yes. I don't fully understand like why you're calling me to leave this relationship, step into that loneliness. It's terrifying where I've, I've never been before, but I trust you, so yes. I don't know why I'm, you're asking me to text that person, talk to that person about my faith, give that amount of money, check myself into rehab. This week of all weeks just doesn't, it doesn't make sense, but I, I trust you, so yes. He has plans for you, Summit Park. The question is, can he get a yes from you? Yes, even when it's not what I wanted to hear, I'll hear it. Even where you lead me where I didn't want to go or where I've never been before, yes. Obedience in the obscurity, amen? amen. Number three, confidence in the calling. Confidence in the calling. I remember uh, years ago listening to a preacher talk about letting the gap build your confidence. And so if this gap right here, if this is who I am and where I am today, and this is who I want to be and where I want to be. So the way you get confidence for this gap is by turning around and remembering God's faithfulness in this gap, which is much broader. And by the way, this is the gap between who I am and where I am and who I used to be, where I used to be. 
that because of the grace and mercy of this amazing God, I might not be where I want to be yet, but I'm not where I deserve to be. I'm not where I should be. I'm not where I used to be. And the grace that saved you will be the grace that sustains you. He who began the good work in you will be the same God to carry that work on to completion. He has not brought you this far to leave you here. And when you turn around and, and you, you, you see the, his patterns in your past, you let that preach to you and build your confidence for his faithfulness in your future. To face the future with, with faith and not fear. Trusting him with confidence. Fear not. Those two words used 365 times in scripture one time for every day of the entire year to Joshua fear not you have not been given a spirit of fear but a spirit of power love and a sound mind aka confidence you can't tell me it's not in you God has placed it there the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the grave alive and at work so be confident in where he's leading you even if it's right smack into the middle of the unknown where you've never been before God specializes in that you come alive in that. Joshua, fear not. Over and over again. Why? I think God knew you're going to need it because I'm taking you into the promised land, into freedom. Because through Moses, I set people free. Through you, I'm going to show them how to live free. Living free is a higher calling than being set free. Freedom, a, a higher calling than, than bondage. Than, I think God is, is getting him ready, which is why when they walk up to the Jordan, this is so cool. I, I caught this recently because if you'll remember, Moses walked up to the Red Sea leading a couple million Israelites. And God said, walk up to the, to the Red Sea and stretch your hand over the water. And Moses did. And then God parted it and they walked through. But to Joshua, he says something slightly different. I want to show you this in verse 8. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, Joshua, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. That's a higher calling than stretching your hand over it. Get your feet wet, Joshua. Put your reputation on the line a little bit, Joshua. Stop praying small so that you can give me an out in case I don't answer these prayers, Joshua. Stop playing small with the gifts and talents that I've given you with the leadership opportunity in front of you. Stop playing small with it. Have some confidence in your calling, Joshua. Fear not. Leading you into freedom, which is not an all-inclusive vacation. It's more like class five rapids that ain't for the faint of heart, but it's everything your heart is looking for. Walking in freedom. It's for freedom that you've been set free. In other words, you've been set free from something, but also to something even more. And what I'm saying, man, if you show up with that kind of posture that goes, God, hey, I've got patience, I've got obedience, and I've got, I've got confidence that that is a deadly combination for what he could do in this next chapter. That posture that is his pen that he uses to write, I mean, how crazy is it that we have a God who lets us be part of his story and how it will be recorded? I think a lot of you maybe right now are standing on the brink of, of wondering what's next and I do feel this transition and I just wanna be super helpful just really quick because I remember back in 2017, I, I was desperate to hear from God about what was next. I was trying to pick a city that we were gonna go start a, a church in knowing there's a lot of people who are leaving jobs and moving. I, I don't wanna get this wrong. And if I could just encourage you, sometimes God has a very specific place and space he's leading you into. 
go left, go right, go there, stay here. And just so you know, when that's the case, you do not have a God of confusion. That God often whispers, but whispers are clear when you're close. So get close. And in that proximity, trust your God instinct because you do have one. Delight yourself in the Lord and then he will give you the desires of your heart. We all know the second half of that verse. I don't think that's saying follow your heart. I think it's saying, hey, follow Jesus and lead your heart to him. And in that kind of proximity, he will start to download vision and direction and plans as you seek a person. So trust him. And then sometimes he, he, he gives decision. Hey, how about you and I sort of dream and design and write this thing together? And honestly, that's kind of scarier. So that was it. I was like, San Diego or Austin? Where do we move to start a church? And I was paralyzed and couldn't, couldn't make a decision in my my friend, my, my pastor, Sean, he, we were at dinner and he was trying to help me. He told me a story. He said, you know, a few months ago, I took my son Ashton to Toys R Us to the Lego aisle. And I said, Ashton, pick any Lego set that you want. And like shows on Netflix, like cities in the country, it's just the paradox of choice. There's so many options. And he was paralyzed and couldn't do it. And then Sean got down on his knees and put his arm around his son and said, hey, buddy, if you were to pick that Lego set, would it be awesome? Oh, Dad, that would be so awesome. Okay, how about, how about that one? If you, if you pick that, how cool would that be? Oh, so cool, Dad. Okay, so pick one. And don't play what if. Don't be double-minded. Be all in for it and be confident in it and enjoy it because I'm going with you. And he kind of brought that to me and said, do they need people? Do, do people need Jesus in San Diego? Yeah. Do people need Jesus in Austin? Yeah. Do people need Jesus in, in Kansas City? Yes. Okay, make a decision and let's go reach some people for Jesus. But when you make this decision, be confident in the calling. Do not be double-minded like James 1 would say. The double-minded spirit makes you like a boat at sea without an anchor in a storm blown and tossed about by the wind, unstable in everything that you do because you're just double-minded the whole time because as soon as it's hard, and by the way, every calling is hard. And every bit of freedom comes with battles. So don't be surprised when it does, thinking I made the, the wrong decision. Expect it and have some confidence in your calling because God is going with you. And by the way, he's so good at getting you where he wants to get you. He just can't steer a parked car. So make some decisions and be confident, and God will reroute if he has to. Uh, I used to just drop the God card for absolutely everything, and I'd say, well, okay, I went there, that didn't work out, and, and that, that was the, that God, God wanted that to happen to bring me there, so that, that didn't work out, and this thing that happened this morning must have been God to lead me. And you know what? Some of that, absolutely, but a lot of that, what sounds super spiritual on the surface, I wonder if deep down you're just afraid to make decisions and own them, and God is... This was his idea to write you into it and say, create within creation as I have created you. Your posture is the pen and I'm going with you. Confidence in your calling, obedience in the, the obscurity and then patience in the process, amen? Summer Park, will you guys stand? Because we're about to sing a song about the promises of, of God and um, I, I realized this during the last service. In Joshua, one of the themes, God, God says, hey, for this season, here's, here's how I'm going to work. And I just have a gut feeling 
This might be what God is saying. He's like, here's, I'm working this way right now. Where he says, Joshua, you guys step there. And then I will meet you there. And I will give you all the ground. Every place you step your foot, I will give you. But you've got to step there. You've got to step there. And so prayer team, would you guys come down to the front? And I'm about to turn it over to these guys. We'll we'll sing about God's promises, but I want to challenge you. There's something about externally responding to something that's happening internally where I feel like, man, you want to receive Jesus today? Make a move. Step there. Come down to the front. Talk to to somebody on the prayer team. You want to, you need forgiveness. You're holding on to bitterness. Step into that freedom space and watch God give you that ground every single time. Say you need some patience, you need some obedience. Step, make a move, come to the front, step into it and watch how God responds going, you move and I move, bud. Just watch what I just need. Come get your feet wet. Come put your reputation on the line a little bit. Come go out on a limb for me. Step into the river up here and watch how I will meet you. Watch how I lead to breakthrough. Watch how I make a way. So Jesus, we love you. And I love even in scripture how, God, you have so many promises to us that go well, well beyond even our salvation. That is just the beginning, literally, of this new covenant package that you have in store for us. So many promises. But we have to take hold of them. We step into that space. We stand on them. And as we do, they become a reality in our lives. And so I pray for courage and guts for anybody in this space that needs that right now to make a move, to step there, to go there, to get their feet wet. Would you meet them with forgiveness? Would you meet them with peace? Would you meet them with joy or patience or confidence or obedience or just simply the gift of your your manifest presence and the proximity to you? We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.